This, this is why it took so long to get a definitive version of Blade Runner. Yeah. Although, is there really a definitive version of Blade Runner? <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Is the final cut the definitive? I don't know. I've got the, the, the suitcase. I think all of them are unwatchable, so I don't know. Oh, don't even, don't do that. Don't <laughs> you dare, mister. <laughs> yeah, I love thou, setting you up. Thou shalt not badmouth Blade Runner. Blade Can we Runner? include all this? Are you going to include all this in the show? Blade Runner sucks. You suck. <laughs> Okay, hey, uh, it is it is Tuesday, and and it is not singer songwriter day or Barry Manilow's birthday. Well, Wait. actually, it might be. I don't know. I don't know when Barry Manilow. I'll look it up. You is. keep talking. <laughs> okay. Uh, so this is uh, this is on taking pictures, and uh, we are we are here each and every week talking about creativity and 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 photography and making art and making stuff and, and what the differences are between making art and stuff, which we seem to come back to because it's, it's hard to put your finger on it. Isn't it, Bill? Uh, it is. <laughs> We've been coming back to it for 112 episodes. 112 and we're episodes. We're still That's not right. there. Episode 112. Hey, can, so finish your intro. Sorry. I have okay, to tell you yeah. something. All right. All right. Uh, my name is Jeffrey Sidoris uh, from fadedandblurred.com. Uh, the, uh, the uh, preeminent source of, of visual inspiration. Nice. Nice. Yeah. You yep. like that? I'm all for that. Uh, and, and, uh, with me, the, the potentially medium format, which we'll get to Bill Wadman. Uh, hi Jeffrey. How are you? I'm hey, doing well. What uh, do you got? It is Barry Manilow's birthday. Is it really? <laughs> yes. Shut up. No, it is June it 17th. Is Barry Manilow's birthday? June 17th, 1943. He's 71 years old. No <laughs> way. <laughs> Could Sorry. not have planned this better. Okay. I was holding okay. that in for like two oh, minutes. Now I got to redo the intro. It is. No, it is you're keeping it, it there. It's perfect it is, as it is. It All right, is moving not, on. I'm taking pictures day. It's Barry Manilow day. Ah, <laughs> oh, because even now, oh, when there's some. What are the odds? Well, I guess one in 365. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about it. Oh, okay. So, all right. So, so before we get into the that show, is a, that is a good luck charm. This show is going to be off the hook. That's right. Okay. So, so before we dive in, yep. uh, uh, top three Barry Manilow tunes for you. Go. Oh, uh, um, and I'm not talking about the ones he's written because I know you get me on some of those, but th- that w- top three that we know of as Barry Manilow songs. I don't care who wrote them. Okay. Uh, uh, trying to get the feeling. Good. Good. Um, I've always been a fan of, um, uh, even now is a good one. Yeah. This one's for you. Probably. This, okay. But I, I, I'm going to go even now. This yeah. one's for you. And weekend in new England. Weekend New England is good. Uh, yeah. My mother was a huge Barry Manilow fan when I was a kid. So she used to listen to all the records, like the blue record, you know, with, you know, that one that looks like it's all, um, cyanotype. <laughs> like right, it's like right. white on blue. Um, yeah, good stuff. Barry I remember swiping my mother's, uh, LP of, of one voice Yeah, and, and always denying to her that I swiped it, but she knew she's listening right now somewhere. That's right. She knew she's wringing uh, her hands. Barry Manilow's birth. How yeah. old is he? 71. He says 71. According to this. Wow. Born in, born in Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, all right. Where are we what starting today? We got, we got lots of stuff to get to. That's really funny. I know. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I would see. I wish we could pipe in some Barry Manilow music without getting sued by Arista Records. Yeah, probably not. But uh, yeah, it's not going. That's not going to go well. No, no. <laughs> We'd be trying to get the feeling of freedom again. <laughs> Uh, hey, you know, sometimes uh, you, you try something or you, you do something, you put it out there, and it's just not it's not good enough, and, Wait, and you, okay. you want to do it again. Go now, ahead. Is, are you saying something you've actually sort of, for lack of a better term, released to the public, or something that you've started and you kind of finish, and then you kind of look at it, you step back, and you go, yeah, it's not good enough to put out? Uh, well, I've done I've done both. Okay. But most recently, I had I had a conversation with uh, David Dushman on Sunday, uh, and it was our our second conversation because we had a conversation on the previous Friday before I went to Portland, uh, and and it just you know I I tried to go some new places I I, I and I just I I didn't get my rhythm. And, uh, and I listened to it back and, and it just, it just didn't say what I thought we could say. And, uh, so I, so I emailed David and said, Hey, this isn't really, I think I can do better. Okay. Would you be willing to, to take another, another pass at this? And, uh, to his credit, he, he, he said, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I, I I'm, I'm very pleased that, that you don't want to go with your second best. So, so, so for, you wanted a do over. I wanted a do-over. I wanted a do-over, yeah. Do you, now, do you think that there – just – we'll get to David in a second. Yep. But do you, do you think that there's any – and I know the answer to this, but I wanted to bring it – is there any shame in that? No. Right. Is that the, sort of part of the fail – fails often, fail fast, fail often sort of ethos? Um, I don't – well, I don't, I don't know that I would use fail in there. Uh, you tried something, and it didn't work out. So, you know, if, if you, if you're given the opportunity to do it again, you take it. And, and in this case, you know, I, I was allowed the opportunity to, to sit down for another conversation. And, uh, and I think the end product is, is much better for it. Do you, in the past, have you let something go because you didn't want to do it over again? You didn't think the other person maybe didn't want to do it over again if you were working with somebody else? You wanted to move on. Like, have there been other situations that you've regretted not doing it over again? Yes. Well, not yeah. regret it, but you know, in, in, in theater, there's the, the, the adage is beat to fit paint to match. Right. So one of the adages. Um, so there are a lot of things where, you know, you have to learn good enough. You have to be okay with good enough. And in this particular case, it just wasn't good enough. And, uh, you know, so so we redid it, and uh, and it was so much better. It flowed so much uh, nicer, uh, and it was almost it was four years almost to the day uh, of the first time that I sat down with David for our very first conversation in two thousand ten. Right. So it was uh, it was good. It's 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 you know it's a week of anniversaries, Bill. Well, you know, it kind of gets me thinking. You just said it's you know, up to up to a standard, right? Sure. And it's sort of the question is then that's that's your standard, which is always changing, right? Because you're getting better or things, you know what I mean? Like that, that yes, that's true, hopefully, but it, it's also, it's, it's a, it's a realization. And I'm not saying that, that, that this is a, a 
qualitative judgment in terms of, oh, I've, I've, you know, reached this point, but there's a realization that there is no perfection. Perfection doesn't exist. And, and I would, I would continue that by saying perfection is boring. That uh, yeah, okay. Th- there is no perfect within, within photography. A lot of photographers, and and we talk about this in 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 this conversation with David, is a lot of photographers chase perfection, technical perfection. Mm-hmm. They in, and and it's it's partially because you know camera manufacturers really push technical perfection. That that this one's sharper than the last one. This one's got better color fidelity than the last one. This one's faster than the last one, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But what we tend to forget in within the realm of photography that many if not most of the most iconic photographs that you know offhand are far from perfect sure yeah you know uh in art is there a perfect picasso is there right. a perfect pollock absolutely not yeah yeah i you know the, the i think the, the part of the problem with perfection in photography is that there you can you can objectively actually measure how close to what came through the lens this thing actually is you know what i mean yeah, but like, so what no i'm not saying i'm not saying that that's right i'm just saying that there is a quality there is an objective measure you know what i mean to make mm-hmm. and i think that look to me i think that the technical stuff is important in some situations it's not important in others and but it's only one part of the tool it's sort of like um you know, the baseball player has to have the mechanics to make the throw, but he also has to have the heart to play the game. Right. Sure. Um, so there, it's like, it's two sides of, of, of one coin. And the problem you get is if I think if you get too much on either side of that coin is, is in my opinion is, is where you get into trouble, you know? Sure. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, people get people get nuts about perfection, you know. But they do now. Couldn't but but you know to to back up for a second. Couldn't someone say maybe you were too hung up on perfection and maybe the first one was just fine? Uh, I asked a couple people to listen to it, and okay. I, I I asked you know what would you give this out of ten? Yeah, and one came back with a five. One came back with a six. Okay. So yeah. So to me, it's not even a the, perfection. It, at that point, it was about cohesion. Sure. It was about does this flow, and I didn't think it did. And I even you know switched some things around and in the edit, and and it just didn't work. And when when I've got the chance to do it again, you know, if 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 he would have said eh, I don't think I can or whatever, well, I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. Would I would I have have maybe I would have sort of cherry picked certain portions and done it as a transcribed interview and had, you know, sequences that 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 did work. Yeah. Um, rather than trying to to cobble together an hour long conversation just because I've got an hour's worth of material. Yeah. You know, I uh, I did a, a sort of a talking head video I've been working on with a friend of the show, Todd Reynolds. Sure. And um and we filmed it once at his house at his studio up in Queens and we shot it and he said a lot of good stuff, but the audio wasn't up to snuff mm-hmm. and I edited down an hour and 10 minutes worth of stuff or something like that and uh, got it down to like six minutes because I wanted it to be sort of like really sort of sound bitey. Right. Um, 
And it got to the point where it's like, yeah, you know, this, you can understand what he's saying in the audio. That's not the problem. But there's, and he said a lot of really good stuff just off the cuff. And I was worried about doing a redo because I felt like it may lose the spontaneity of the first time. Sure. Now, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be Glenn Close, you know, doing her ADR over, over, uh, the, the Greystoke. Exactly. Yeah. So, I worried about that a lot. And, and so what I initially what I did was I actually transcribed the six minutes of stuff that he said and was going to have him read it almost as an essay as opposed to doing it as a, oh, okay. a you know, and kind of lay it over the top. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And I mean, not even of the video, like have him reread it like almost with a with a teleprompter kind of thing. Sure. And and we were going to do that. And then we said, you know, what? let's just try doing some new stuff. And we ended up doing about two hours of new video and conversation with much better audio. I pulled out a shotgun mic and recorded separate audio and all this kind of stuff. And that all looks good. And there's a lot of stuff in there that I didn't get the first time. But there's also some stuff in the first one that I didn't get the second time. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it kind of goes back to your perfection thing. It's like uh, you're never going to get all of the, the all of the good things from the first in the second one. You may get different good things. And I've had this happen even taking pictures where I've taken a picture at a certain place at a certain time and the light was just right and it, and it came out. But I was like, oh, man, it would have been so much better if X, whatever the right. change would be. Right. I've never, ever been able to go back, take that picture again and have it have the same feels the first time. You know, See that, that, and that's. Yeah, that's like, that's, and you, and I think that's kind of what David's saying is that you know, the, like the perfection isn't, you know, the technical perfection isn't everything, but but it's like that 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 sort of X factor, you know, the chaos theory kind of stuff of the way the shadows were that day or the way the haze was in the sky because of the light because of the whatever had a certain feel that that trying to recapture that is is nigh impossible. Sure. Um. So is there anything in the second one that you felt like you lost from the first one? No. Okay. No, actually I I think the second one um was better on on pretty much every level. Um the problem you know, and this is kind of funny because it's one of the things that 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 he talks about in the book is our addiction to certainty. Mm-hmm. We want to be sure that whatever endeavor that we choose to take on, whether it's creative or not, is is going to go well. Right. And and this was no exception. You know, I. I get nervous before every conversation. I get nervous before every show. I get nervous before I talk to anyone. You get nervous before this show? Yes. Why? Um, you know, I don't know. You don't, I don't know. You don't want to sound like an idiot, I guess. Okay. But, but I do. And that's sort of part of my thing. <laughs> I sound like an idiot sometimes. <laughs> you know, um, and I guess... It's it's it goes back to that human nature of you want it to be good and you want to be perceived in a certain way or you want to make sure you cover all the things that you're going to cover because you've only got, you know, X number of of minutes with this person and you want to get something that's that's yes, usable, 
hopefully unique. Special. Yeah, maybe even special. So there are those, yeah, those, those three things that you want to get. And sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. Yeah. Something so no, I didn't, I don't, I don't think that, I mean, there, there might be a few things from the first one, but yeah. certainly nothing. A few ways that he put something that he changed the way he put it and wasn't quite maybe. as effective. Yeah. That yeah. kind of like little And stuff. I asked a few different questions in the second one or, or, or we, we covered a few different things that, that, um, that maybe we had covered before. Um, yeah. in, in previous conversations. Yeah. Uh, and it just, it just felt better. So hopefully that'll be up today or tomorrow and, and you, know, you guys can check it out. You know, it's kind of interesting about that, how you said, you know, you, you, you hope to get, you, you expect to get something at least usable. Yes. You want to get something unique. Yes. And you, your hope is that you're going to get something special. Yes. It, it, I think that that is true of, <clears throat> A lot of any of this stuff, you know, absolutely. That's true of whenever you put pen to paper. That's true of whenever you take your camera and go shoot somebody. You know, I go into a lot of editorial shoots where I'm shooting somebody. I don't know if the pictures are going to come out good. I mean, I I can I can almost guarantee to one, you know, couple percentage points out from ninety nine that I will get something more than usable of the people. Like I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not worried that I'm going to come away and be like, Oh my God, the magazine's going to fire me. You know, right. Like, okay, I'll get something good enough that the magazine will be fine with it. But am I going to get something that I care about or something that I would want to put in my portfolio or something that is going to make me look at the way I shoot things differently. And I think part of the lack of guarantee of that is kind of what makes it interesting. It's absolutely what makes it interesting. Um, Look, creativity comes out of chaos. It's a messy, messy process. Yeah, but but you but in order to do that, you sort of have to resign yourself to sometimes you're going to fall flat on your face. Sure, and and more often than I'd like to admit, I do. Right. Uh, this this was just it happened to be a, a, a situation where I could where I could get a do over. Um, yeah. But like like walking around Portland last weekend. Uh, I shoot with the LCD off. Yeah. So I, I treat my camera as much as I can like a film camera. So I, I didn't know what I had gotten until yesterday when I finally went through the photos. And you go look at them yesterday. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and I got a couple good things, I think. Um, but wh- what would you have done, though, if, if, if David couldn't have done it again? Would you have put the other one out? Well, like I said, I probably would have have done kind of a hybrid and cherry picked the the portions that did work and and did them put them up as sort of audio pull quotes okay. as part of as part of something that was more narrative instead of something that was conversational. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it, wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't have been just a conversation. It would have been maybe me setting up the conversation and then, you know, here's what David had to say about X. And maybe I would put it up. Maybe I would do that to this one. I haven't really decided yet because I do like that kind of format. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm doing with the stuff with Todd too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's interesting rather than putting it up as, as just an, an hour long podcast or, or an hour long contiguous conversation uh, you you split it up and and do a little reading, then you do a little listening. It's kind of like what NPR does on some of their their featured stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so what else did he have to say? You want to talk about some of that stuff? Um, 
Not really. I'd rather you listen to him say it because right. I'm going to I'm going to butcher it. Uh, he, he did. He did talk. You know. I mean, come on. It's yeah. That's you know. It, I I, I you like talking to him words. because of the way he uses his words. So yes, let him use yes. His words. He oh, that's, is that's he is a lover of words, as am I. Yeah. Um. One of the things he did talk about, and and it's it's something that he mentions more than anything else in this book, A Beautiful Anarchy, which is. A a for those that it clicks with, it will be a very sort of uh, important book. I don't know that it will change your life. I think that there is the potential that it will change your approach to your creative life, and and hopefully that can propagate into into other areas of your life. But um, one of the things that he talks about probably uh, actually I think more than anything else is fear. Is this idea of of two things? One, becoming paralyzed by fear. But but the other thing is this sort of Stephen Pressfield approach to fear is where you should be. Fear is 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 the the compass. Uh, it's it's guiding you to that compass point that you should be that you should be navigating towards, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and fear is good, is what you're saying. Fear. Yeah. Fear or, or is good. Or a necessary element. Yes. Two things. Is, okay. Is, well, hold is, on a second. Hold on a second. Go ahead. All right. Do, do, okay. Um, you know, we were just saying that you have to you have to be able to put put yourself out there and know that sometimes it's not going to work. Right. That you're going to fail. Do you do you have to be scared of that? You see what I'm saying? Like, is is fear? When we say fear, basically, we're saying you have to realize that's a possibility and do it anyway. Yes. But some people will not be scared of that at all. And is that even a better thing? Sort of not even overcoming that fear as in like, I'm scared, but I'm going to do it anyway. But just sort of like, I'm not scared because I'm in sort of this bliss zone that says it's, it's all all right. No matter what comes out, is that sort of the ideal state? I well, I think it depends on who you're talking to. Yeah, I I think you know for me, um, there's some okay. Let's go back for a second to to a beautiful anarchy for just a sec. There there's something there's a chapter in the book called Living Above the Forty Five. Okay, and if if you're if you were to plot uh, an X Y graph, uh, opportunity being the vertical. And and ability being the horizontal, okay? So okay. ability is X, opportunity is Y. And you draw a 45-degree line from, from that intersection right. where they're perpendicular. Above the 45 is, is where you want to be. Okay. Uh, so you, you want to take things, you want to approach creativity as, as if it's, it's just a little beyond your grasp. Like they're, 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 what you're asking yourself to do at any given moment creatively is a little bit uncomfortable mm-hmm. so that there's growth. Yeah. So that there is uh, more chance for that happy accident to occur and for something as cliche as it sounds, something magical to happen. Okay. Yep. You know, fair. so if, if, if you're shooting the same photographs over and over and over again, you're not learning. You're not growing. You're, you could argue that you're refining, but even in refining, there has to be 
there has to be new territory covered in order to refine other than other, uh, otherwise you're just repeating. Right. So, so yeah, I do think that there, that there is a necessary component of, of fear, but, but there's a danger of becoming paralyzed by fear and, and, and to sort of piggyback on that, there's a, a video going around. Jim Carrey did uh, the commencement speech at uh, Maharishi University of Management and he talks about fear in terms of, of we make all decisions that you make. You can either go the Jim Carrey route or the Tony Robbins route. Uh, everything that you do in life is, is for one of two reasons, either the pursuit of pain. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry the, the avoidance of pain or the pursuit of pleasure. Carrey puts it as, as you make every decision out of either love or fear. And for many of us, myself included, we make decisions based on fear disguised as practicality or pragmatism. Yeah. Yep. And I am a hundred percent guilty of this. You know, I, he said one thing right after that, that I, that I thought was really good. He was talking about his father who he said was very, very funny man could have been a comedian, right. But ended up getting a job as an accountant cause it was a safe thing to do. And then 10, 15 years into his job as an accountant, he was fired and couldn't find another job and he made the, he made the he said the adage that uh, you know you you can fail from you can fail in the stuff that you don't want to do as well right so you might as well fail in the stuff that you do want to do right you know right but f- for so many again myself included yeah there's the paralysis of fear because again it goes back to that addiction to uncertainty yeah. I'm, I'm sorry addiction to certainty where I'm not going to proceed or move forward for fear that it's not going to work, but it's only when it doesn't work that you learn. Right. So it is, it, it, and it's obviously this, it's not working now. Right. So it's like, so what, you know, you're afraid that the future is going to be more like today. Well, if you don't do anything, the future will be more like today. Right. Uh, there's, you know, it's interesting though. When he first says, Jim Carrey says uh, something about, I forget what the line was. It was right at the beginning. And he was basically giving one of those, you know, do what you love, don't fall back on a second thing kind of speeches. Right. And there was actually some audible groans and like, ooh, from the audience. Sure. Um, well, you know, we, this is another thing that we've talked about is is there are... There are consequences to trying to do it. Yes. Oops. And and not everybody gets to do what they love for a living and and to think that you deserve that is all right ridiculous. so how does that fit in with what carrie's saying in that case then how does what fit in well okay if everyone can't do what they want then why should he stand up there and tell everyone I, they not, can try to do what they want? i'm not saying you can't do what you want i'm saying that you may not be able to do only what you want solely what you want as your source of living as your source of income as your source of of prosperity. It may fill your soul in, in other ways. It just may not fill your wallet. All right, okay. And I think we, we, you know, this idea of making a living as an artist, uh, only doing the things you want to do is, is fairly new in the, in the realm of human history. But I yeah, also so are think, antibiotics, but I'm not going to get rid of antibiotics. <laughs> no, but, but, but there is, there's an entitlement issue of I should only have to do or only I should be able to do what brings me joy and, and only what brings me joy to make a living. And it's like, well, who the hell are you? That's, that's not the way it works. 
Yeah. You know, you can do those things that bring you joy, but to, to have this, this sort of attitude that, that, that you should be compensated and compensated well for that is ridiculous. Uh, okay. Yeah. But, um, I think, I think that you can, uh, do, I think you could do, I think you can choose the type of life you want as long as you're willing to give up certain other things, you know, Mm -hmm. keep your, keep your life under a certain level of constraint, right? You know, uh, if you keep your cost of living down, you don't need to make as much money and therefore maybe don't have to work for the man as much sort of that, that kind of theory. Right. Sure. Um, but yes, if you want 2.2 houses and 2.2 kids and need to pay for daycare and college and health insurance and all the rest of it, well then yeah, you've put yourself in a situation where you may have to give up some of the things you really want to do to do things you have to do because of things that I guess you technically wanted to do all of sure. those other things. Now, now the, the other side of that, or one of the other sides to that is, is the, the, the sort of Seth Godin, uh, uh, idea that, that there has never been a better time for artists, creatives, writers, painters, photographers, in that there's never been a, a larger or more, or more comprehensive tool set in the hands of the worker bees than now. Uh, yeah, the tool set's there, but is, is the market there is the question, you know? Well, that's, so that's, I mean, that's, I think it is. I, I think that, that, that there, is, it may not be a market to let you retire, but I think that, that there, there, you, you can find a tribe that, that will believe in you and that will want to see or read or sure. watch Look, we have, what it is that you produce. You know, X thousands of people listening to us right now, right? Sure. You know, I guess we have a tribe. Yes. You know, and, and they're a great uh, tribe and, and Alan Bailward. tribe. And yeah, but you know, it's, <laughs> um, I, you know, I look, I, the, the, the thing that Jim Carrey says here, he says, he says the risk being seen, right? Yep. You know, basically be who you are and, and that will, that will, if you were honest about who you are, the world will accept you in some way. Is that what he's kind of getting at? I think, yeah, a, a segment of the world will accept you. Yes. Sure. And uh, yes, you, you will find your tribe. You will find yeah. your, your patrons. You will and find, I, think that's, I yeah. think that's one of the wonderful things about the modern world and, you know, the internet and all the rest of it is that you could be some guy in, you know, Spokane, Washington, and you're really into a certain kind of glass making art project, you know, process or something, you know, something that I don't know anything about. And that there are 25 people in the country who are into it before you're screwed. You're out in the middle of nowhere. How the heck are you going to supposed to talk to these people? You know, sure. Now, and now you, find- you could be going back and forth with them on Twitter all day long. Um, now we, we, we also have uh, the, the uh, blessing benefit, good fortune, luck of the draw, however you need to see that of geography. If we were in Rwanda, we yeah. wouldn't be having this conversation. Absolutely. If we were in Darfur or, or you know, Kazakhstan, or we wouldn't be having these conversations. Absolutely. So, so we do have that benefit, and I'm very conscious of that. Um, so, so you know, sort of first first world problems, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
But, I mean, half the stuff we talk about in the show is a first world problem. Yes. I mean, we're talking about stuff that comes after eating and where you're sleeping tonight. Sure. Sure. Um, sure. But it's, I don't know. I like Jim Carrey's speech. I really, I've always liked Jim Carrey. Um, I've, I've, I've never been a big fan of his, of the comedy stuff, but I've been a big fan of the dramatic stuff. Yes. Um, I, 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 he's obviously one of those comedians who has serious, uh, I mean, he's talked about his depression issues and that kind of stuff before, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his process of getting through that and going ups and downs and, you know, using humor as a, as a crutch growing up and, you know, all, all those very stereotypical armchair psychologist kind of things. Right. Um, so yeah, you know, hearing him talk like that is really good. Yeah, it's good. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll put, put a, a link in the, yeah, we'll the show put notes. a link in the show notes. Yeah. Hey, did you see uh, Terry Richardson's not a pervert? He's an artist. <laughs> New York Magazine says so, so it's cool. So I was going to say, so says Terry Richardson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, what do you think uh, about all this? Okay, so wait, wait, wait back up. Uh, we talked about Terry Richardson a while back. There's all this stuff about models claiming that he sexually advances on them and wants to do terrible things, and if they don't do it, he's you know kicks them out the front door, kind of things. And you'll never be in vogue unless you do X Y Z with me, kind of stuff. Right. Um, predatory. Uh, it, 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 so it's been back and forth, back and forth. New York Magazine uh, has a cover story called The Perverse Case of Terry Richardson. Um, and it's in this week's edition. And it goes on and on about how, I don't know, in my reading of it, it does take a very soft uh voice when it comes to the allegations against him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know, it's just, it's crazy. It almost feels like, well, it feels like New York magazine is just trying to get press, right? They're trying to create buzz. It's kind of a puff piece. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a, I don't know. I, I don't think we're ever going to know, you know, the, what, what, what did Robert Evans, uh, used to say in, in, in the kid stays in the picture. You ever see that movie? No. Uh, very famous producer. Uh, and his, his thing was that there are three sides to every story. Your, your version, my version and the truth. The truth. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think we're seeing a side of it. Um, yeah, I, I think it's kind of a bummer that he's, that he's celebrated despite these allegations, but, but more than that for me, I just don't think his work's very interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's a quote in here. This is like uh, six paragraphs down. Richardson is also famous for another after talking about how great he is. Richardson is also famous for another reason. He has cultivated a reputation of being a professional. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. A proud pervert who outside his commercial work produced a series of extremely explicit images, often including himself naked and erect that find many pornographic and mis- many find pornographic and misogynistic, which can make viewers distinctly uncomfortable. And here's, this is uh, uh, in bold, somebody else's bold. In recent years, a number of the models in those images have indicated that they too weren't altogether comfortable. Filing lawsuits and increasingly speaking up on essays and interviews. It's like how you put it. They weren't altogether comfortable. Right. It's like, no, they were really uncomfortable. That's, yeah. you know, that's you're why are you putting it so softly? You know, it's yeah. I, I it, don't okay. Know. But here's my question. Sure. Can some, it, let's say his work really was amazing. And we thought, I mean, who, who the hell are we? Right. There's lots of people who do like his work. So sure. Whatever. Yeah. We, we've discussed this before because he makes money for them. Right. Yeah. But if 
he was making stuff that really was special. He's Picasso, just for, mm-hmm. for the sake of... And he's also doing this. Does the fact that he is an artistic genius... Does 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 it does it uh, inoculate him somehow, or somewhat, from being a jerk? Are you asking my opinion? Yeah, or, yeah. Or, I want to know your opinion. No, I don't think it does. So you have to be a human first. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, Michael Jackson, genius, right? But if he was also, and I, I don't, I don't know the particulars, but if he was also a child molester, that kind of tarnishes some of the genius it doesn't take away from the work that he did but it tarnishes the person behind it to me okay yeah yeah i mean still a great songwriter still a great dancer still a great performer fine great but there's still this other thing that has to be addressed somehow sure you know like you said you have to be human first i would hope yeah 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 you know here's another question for you do you think it makes a difference in the fact that his pervertedness is explicitly involved with what he's making. If in his own time, he was a jerk to women and whatever it is, would that be different than him being a jerk to the women that he's working with to, to take his pictures and to make his business? Well, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's weird because you, you hear these stories from, uh, you hear, you hear the stories from, models you've arguably never heard of. Yeah, but how I mean, many models you, do most people know? Well, okay, but but and I'm not excusing it. I I just his bread and butter is, seems to be higher profile subjects and you're not hearing them complain. You're hearing the ones and and again, I I don't know the the ins and outs of it. Maybe they're true, maybe they're not. I don't know that we'll ever know. Yeah. You know, are there hacked Twitter accounts, hacked Facebook accounts? I don't know. Does he seem skeevy regardless to me? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. You know, but I, 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 some of the photos that I've seen, you know, the photos in question that, that, that we're kind of alluding to, I, I, that's just kind of gross to me. Yeah. Yeah. It just, you know, so somebody in one of the comments on one of these sites said, uh, if there's not a centerfold spread of uncle Terry, you know, having the same thing done to him on his face in the photo from the photographer, the New York, New York magazine article was all for naught. Like basically if he wasn't taken advantage of the way he takes advantage of other people. Yeah. I I don't know. know. I, I, again, it, it, I do think, I do think it's uh, this magazine giving him this level of a, of a, cause they were, they were interviewing him mostly for it. right? Right. You know, giving him the opportunity to sort of, I guess, you know, tell his story, but it also feels like they're letting him, uh, you know, whitewash the whole thing. Well, th- okay. The, the Jezebel article that you also include yeah. here, uh, Richardson is also famous for another reason. He has cultivated a reputation of being oh, yeah, a sorry, professional. I was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, a, a professional debauchee. Yeah. A proud pervert. I, you think, so you think the fact he, that he he's does behind that, some of this. Yeah. Like that he knows he's doing it and therefore he knows that it's going to be public. Maybe it's also one of those things where, you know, they say, uh, you know, lies are easier to, to, to take if there's, you know, if there's uh, some truth in there too, you know? So he's just like, look, 
I am a jerk. I'm a pervert. Like, look at my pictures. I have, you know, women squirting, you know, uh, milk into their mouths from a cow's udder or whatever. Yeah. Maybe for him, it's just like, of course I'm crazy and kooky. And therefore, all these stories you hear, maybe that's just some outlandish thing that happened. But you know what it's really, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, 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 that sort of by, by pumping up uh, uh, his perverted nature, he can also excuse his perverted nature. You know? Yeah. I don't well, know. And then they, they finish this piece with the question here shouldn't be whether Richardson is an artist or a predator. It should be why, when so many women have come forward with allegations, are we still treating this question like it matters? Right. Like, like, so, so what difference does it make whether he does make art? If these other things exist, again, we're back to the sort of, you got to be human first. If, if these allegations are true, is is it because so much money is exchanging hands that, that yeah. we're just going to sweep this under the rug? I don't know. Yeah, but if, then again, if that's you know, the case, then shame on them. It, it could be that half the photographers in our photographer of the week list were jerks and idiots and philanderers and, yeah, maybe, you know, anti-Semites I, and, you know, whoever, you know, whatever else. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a really strange thing. It's almost like uh, there's often times that I don't want to know the biography of an artist because I feel like it will taint my view of their work. Yeah. Well, you know, it's sort of like uh, you know, don't meet your heroes thing. But then I've met a number of my heroes that have been really great. So you know. Yeah. Kinda... I, I just uh, I'm done with this guy. All right, we're done with him. I Terry, don't, I don't, I don't you are wanna, never talk about him. ever you're, going to be brought up. You're no again. longer welcome. Um, so I get this email yesterday from, uh, the American society of media photographers, ASMP of which I'm a member. Okay. And the title is the reason you get the email. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good point. Um, and, uh, it says, now this is a, this is a, you know, a, I guess a lobbying organization, a trade group. I don't know how you would you know put it right here's And it says, has Google images hurt your traffic? And this is like they're tra- they want it, they want feedback. Do you rely on Google Images to bring traffic to your professional website? And has your traffic been reduced since Google changed its system? If so, ASMP would like to hear from you. Prior to January 2013, Google Images linked to its image thumbnails back to the originating website, where the image would be seen in context. This gave surfers the chance to view other content on the same site and perhaps become a customer there. Now the thumbnails just call up a full size image with no context. The result we suspect is that many photographers have seen a drop in their visits and referrals, uh, but we need statistical data to prove it. We need it rather quickly. If you've noticed a change up or down or willing to share your statistics, send it to blah, 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 says so-and-so executive director. I guess my question is, is this just a group of people? What can, what can ASMP do about this? You know what I mean? Nothing. Even if this they was can't true, do anything about it. Right. And, and if it, okay, if it's a, dr- a drop in traffic, but not a drop in business, like, because they're, they're not, they're not saying, is this, is this a drop in, in paying they're saying traffic that could perhaps end up being, I'm a customer there. Right. So it's, 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 it's almost a difficult, almost impossible to measure what they're saying. Sure. Well, and the other side of it is if somebody sees, I mean, personally, I, now that I'm kind of used to it, I like this solution that google's doing better i like i like the the, the little drop down and the, yeah, so you, you can know, just see them quickly yeah i like it and and if something if you're looking for a photographer 
and you like the particular photograph that you see, you're not just going to stop and go, well, yeah, that would be a great one. You're, you're going to make the effort to find out who did it. You're going to click on the visit page button that's there very prominently of where yeah. it's come from. Yeah. yeah. So if I, I, I don't get the argument, it's, it's a very, it's a very, um, it, it, it feels a bit Luddite, right? Uh, in the sense that if Google wasn't there at all, cataloging your images, right. uh, your stuff wouldn't get, you wouldn't be found anyway. You know what I mean? Like if you, oh, I want to see a picture of Seth Godin, they look him up and maybe mine comes up on the page. I don't yeah. you know. I don't know. Right. You, you know, so otherwise, how would anybody ever know that Bill Wadman took a picture of Seth Godin that they could buy or whatever it is? Right. Sure. So they want it there. But they don't want it to go to that next step where people can actually make it more convenient. The minute they made it more convenient for the users to be able to flip through a bunch of them all at once, well, then, you know, it's like, I, I want you, but I don't want you to go that far, you know? Right. Like, I want to kiss, yeah. but I don't want to have sex, you know? Well, and, and the, the, I mean, I'm looking at this photo shelter article about it, how, how the new Google is changing traffic to your site. Um, put a link first in the show notes. Uh, first, huh? Put it in the show notes. I'll put it okay. in. Um, Okay. Uh, Sorry, hold on. didn't mean to you, you, slide you, your mojo. You, 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 you. Um, okay. First of all, uh, photo shelter. Uh, don't make the 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 image <laughs> a link that opens the same size image that I'm currently viewing on your web page in a new page. Right. Right. Okay. That's bad UI. <laughs> okay. If I'm looking at a 620 pixel wide image and on your page, there isn't something bigger underneath there. Then yeah, why even have it linkable? Yeah. Don't link it. So you guys are photo shelter. You should know this. This yeah. is basic. Okay. Don't do that. Anyway, that's a little niggly thing. Just whatever. Um, maybe it's not that Google is stealing your traffic. Maybe it's that when allowed to see more than just one image from your site, people are seeing more of your work and deciding it's not really what they wanted. Right. You know, this is, this is, this is the, I'm, I'm seeing 10 images by not even having to go to your site. And if there's nothing really there from those 10 images that, that, that clicks with me, I'm going to move on. Right. So maybe, maybe Google isn't the problem. Maybe your work is the problem. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I have you. I mean, have you heard the equivalent stuff about the Google Books? Slight tangent, where Google is scanning libraries, basically, and making them searchable. So you know, you could search for you know some keywords, and it brings up a book that they scan in some library, and not the whole book, but like the page that has a reference to whatever it is you're looking for with, you know, a link to the book and where you can go okay, buy it or whatever. Let me, it is. let me let me do like the best of times. <laughs> Yeah, I don't not know if that'll I, I wonder if that'll come up. Not the sticks yeah. song. Um and people there are authors who are arguing, I don't want Google to scan my book because you know, then they have their dirty Google hands on it or what have you. Um hmm. and my thing is that just like, wait, they just took what was a physical piece of something that is now out of print and thirty years old and made it somewhat more relevant by finding it for all the people right. out there who would never, ever, ever have found it. Because how do they know that you referenced Mussolini or Shakespeare, in your case, you know, on this page in a way that was useful to them? You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it, it's this is no better 
<laughs> you know, like, or, or, or no worse for you. Um, and people say, well, you know, they could read the whole thing. It's like, who would ever read the whole thing as scanned pages? And go- like, that is just an, such an awkward way of doing it. Yeah, I guess they could, but you know what? They could have gone to the library and read it for free too. Yeah. So why is this really, is it really that different? It's not like you can download them and put them on your Kindle. Um, yeah, it's a it's a double edged sword with with yeah, with, with all some of, of these this. things though, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's the case. That's the case with with this ASMP stuff too. It's like you know you want Google to to have you in some sort of catalog so that they can come and find you, but you also want them to link straight to you and not. I don't know. It just it just seems like even if you can prove this, what are you going to do? Go tell send a letter to Google that says. Dear sirs, you know, right, right. Please do this, that, and the other thing. It's like Google's not going to do that. You know, they're not going to care. So, in some ways, the reason I bring this up is that I look at this and I love ASMP and I like being a member and I'm glad that there's an organization that that thinks about this stuff. But I also feel like, how out of touch are you that you think that you could change something like this? Your ASMP, which is forty thousand people or whatever it is, this is Google. You know what I mean? Right. They're not going to change their policies because they get a letter from you. You know, um, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's just an interesting thing and it just shows how much the world's going to keep changing and you can't, you can't control that kind of stuff. You know, I'll put that, I'll put that link to the photo shelter thing. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, and it's, you know what it's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's Google's game. So they get to change the rules whenever they want. Yes. And they do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just look, I I'm I'm one of those people like I I don't think I will admit to being not a Google apologist, but like I generally like the things that Google does and I I don't think they're doing stuff like that to in order to co-opt copyrights and all kinds of I think they're just trying to say we just want to catalog everything so stuff can find be found. And that's more well, useful for our people and we'll sell more ads because more people will be using our thing to find this stuff. But yeah, I don't think I mean, that ultimately they're, they're looking at it. Right. They have to be looking at it for the good of the company. Of course. And, but and I don't think money. that they're, I don't think they're trying to be evil doing it, you know, or trying to <sighs> ruin, like destroy authors and stuff. Cause like ultimately they need people to make stuff. I'd be worried. And I am more worried about them selling my information than I am about, about searching for photos. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Somehow that doesn't bother me. If it's anonymized, it doesn't bother me. I don't know. I, I just know. like Gmail too much. Uh, okay. Sure. What's next? Uh, screens. You uh, a while back you bought a 4K screen. I did. And uh, still love it. Uh, well, you kind of have to, right? I mean, it's you know you don't you you have to because you did the research and and you bought it and you have to love it. Otherwise, yeah. you know. You can't return it. Well, I've, uh, I, I have not liked things that I've purchased before. As Yeah, but those have been cameras. Yeah, but those cameras cost <laughs> the same amount as this. So anyway, Samsung uh, has released a new 28-inch yep. 4K screen, 600 bucks. Yeah. So it didn't, it didn't even take, hasn't even taken a year for 4K screens to start becoming affordable in, in certain instances. Yeah. Dell's Dell has a 28 inch, which uses the same exact panel. That's five ninety nine as well. Uh, it does use the same panel. Yeah. They, all of, all of the 28 inch 4k ones are using the same panel. 
Who's making it? Uh, LG? I do not. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. So it's a TN panel. Supposedly the, the viewing angles are pretty good. The gamut is pretty good. Not, you know, we can't, we can't find a, uh, uh, an actual percentage of, of the, of the, of the color gamut. Yeah. Which, which is, you know, one of those things that you tend to look for in this kind of stuff. I mean, look, I, if this was your monitor, I think it would be fine. If you're really critical about color and want to be able to do all kinds of fancy stuff, then this probably isn't the monitor for you. But like for $600, I don't know. I love the extra pixels working on stuff and actually having it look like a print on my screen is wonderful. Having text look really smooth on my screen is wonderful. Like I am willing to give up a number of things in order to get that. Um, now if you're a gamer, it's not necessarily the best idea because trying to drive oh, yeah. eight megapixels you, in a game, you, you, you need a, you're going to spend much more than $700 on video cards in order to, yeah. to run go it. buy a PS4 instead. Right. But, um, for like my usage and stuff, it's fantastic. And, and you know, I, it's a good question. Does anybody out there, has anybody out there bought one of these 28 inch, monitors and uh right in to uh podcast and on taking pictures.com and let us know uh how it is for you because we're we're interested jeffrey jeffrey needs a new monitor that has more pixels um maybe because you know you you were saying how you love you're fine looking at the phones and the ipad but your main screen gives you headaches a while back you were saying uh yeah it kind of does and i don't i don't know that it's I don't know what it's from. I, I think I it's from the pixels being too small or big, yeah, too big. Just looking chunky, you know, maybe I don't it's know. Hard on maybe, your I, maybe I need new glasses. <laughs> it could be that too. <laughs> uh, I just cut to you like looking like Mr. Magoo. Just yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like driving a car with no glasses yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> driving my little golf cart. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, uh, the the Dell has one and uh, Samsung has one. I will also say that I saw a few weeks ago the 24-inch one that I use, which is IPS, was on sale for like $7.99 somewhere on Dell. Like, you know, if you you find these crazy deals that Dell does sometimes, like on Ben's Bargains and all those kinds of things. Wait, who's um, it? Ben's Bargains? I don't know. That. Is that like, Ben's a, like a Slick Deals type thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like one of those things. And I'm sure Slick Deals would do the same thing. It's just like, you know, whatever the latest, greatest, super blah, blah, blah stuff is. Uh, they, uh, they, they will, they put it up there anyway. They had, they had a great sale on it too, which just makes you think, okay, well, you know, these things, these things are coming down in price. And personally, I wouldn't buy a new monitor unless it was high DPI, just cause I love the high DPI so much. I go back and use Heather's little, uh, MacBook air and I'm like, holy cow, that's really hard on my eyes. Yeah. You know, you get used. I to just it think fast. it's amazing that the that the prices are dropping so quickly. Yeah, it's it's really really cool. Um, so anyway, go check it out. Uh, yeah, they're good. That thing, I've I've heard very good things about the Samsung and the Dell, but the Samsung in particular, people like. Apparently, it has a um, some sort of uh, new scaler in it, so it doesn't need multi-stream transport to send the uh, uh, the stuff from the video card as long as you have a DisplayPort 2.1.2A compatible oh, no video card or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the Hackintosh people are loving that Samsung one for that reason. Right. Where I can't get mine to run at 30 yet, even though it can and it does in Windows, there's still some, like, people are still fighting to get that to work. Anyway. Uh, have, have you looked on Tony Mac? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I've yeah. been watching the threads. Yeah. Um, and there's all kinds of tricks that people are trying and certain video cards work and certain ones don't. And it does work on the, 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 the small, I think it's working on the MacBook pro retina 15, which uses an NVIDIA card, but for some reason, NVIDIA cards and Hackintoshes aren't doing 60 Hertz yet or something. I, I, I can't quite, it's like one of those things where half the people know what they're talking about on the forum and half the people don't and trying to understand what the people who don't are actually saying. Right. Is very confusing anyway. Uh, but again, 30 Hertz doesn't bother me because I love the rest of the monitor so much. I love the monitor arm too. That's I've been a big fan. So I got to play with a new toy this weekend, Jeffrey. Yes. Uh, we've been talking about this Pentax 50 megapixel, 52 megapixel, 645Z uh, CMOS or, sensor or camera for a while. Six, 645Z for those of you in, in many other places in the world. Yeah, those people are crazy. Um, <laughs> so I, 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 I got to play with one for about 24 hours, maybe 48 hours, 36 hours. Um. And I, I can't post images from it, like, you know, like full res images and stuff like that. And they're Why not? Uh, just because it was beta software and, and they asked me not to. Um, I so have wait, put who, up some pictures what did, what using did you, it. What did you do? These, these, the photos of this, this Jamie Ray Walker, isn't that from the Pentax? Uh, some of them are and some of them aren't. Yeah. Um, uh, there was some quirkiness with it uh, where in the middle of me shooting with, with studio strobes, it stopped popping the, uh, the hot shoe. Um, huh. and, uh, so I had to like reset it, but I did that afterwards cause I didn't have a lot of time. So I just switched back to the Canon. Um, is this pre-release firmware or was yeah, it, yeah, is yeah, this yeah. a production it's, model? It's beta firmware. Okay. I was playing with. Um, and the, so there was quirkiness in the firmware. I will say though, as somebody who has used Canon for years, and is not a particular fan of the Canon UI overall, but it is what I'm used to, and therefore I, you know, I'm, I'm I can use it effectively. Um, I don't particularly like the Nikon UI, like the way that there's different shaped buttons all over the place, you know, switches and stuff like that. It never that never quite clicked with me. Um, I was very happily surprised by the UI of the Pentax camera. Like everything other than trying to, there was one point where I was trying to get the screen to not be on while I was taking pictures and it took me two minutes to clicking around to figure out how to turn that off. Other than that, everything was right where it was. There's a mirror lockup knob that you just click into mirror lockup mode. Hmm. Um, there, there's, you know, there's buttons, all the buttons where were where they were supposed to be. All the dials were where they were supposed to be. Uh, everything made sense. You know, because I think it's using a very similar UI to the uh, to the Pentax digital SLRs, right? Which is saying something because a lot of the medium format traditional backs and stuff have never really been known for their UI, uh, you know, quality. Um, anyway, overall, let's see. Um, the pictures were beautiful. The pixels were there. Not having a anti alias filter over the sensor was amazing. Um, the files, uh, are, are beautiful and there is a lot of resolution and things are very sharp and it has all that stuff. It, and this is, this is, I think a comment on the sensor, not on Pentax. It's a Sony sensor 
as is the one in the D eight hundred, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like a bigger version of the sensor in the D eight hundred, which is probably what it is, or some you know new revision of the sensor in the D eight hundred. And what I mean by that is is that the pictures feel not indifferent than the files from my Canon, other than the fact that they have a lot more pixels. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking, so overall, I'm at these photos, overall okay. malleability of the files and that kind of stuff was not drastically different. You, I couldn't pull back, you know, three stops of highlights like I can on a P 65 and that kind of stuff. Um, okay. First two photos. First, fo- dress, first photo dress, shot with a Canon and the floral dress. Uh, that was shot with the Pentax, I think. But the light okay. was different, so it's hard to compare them. Well, the light in the second one's a little green. Uh, whole, yeah, well, that's the other thing, green. is that the um, Lightroom doesn't know what this camera is yet. So even mm-hmm. though it, it is giving me DNGs out of the camera, I think there's still some work to do on profiles and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so there's, 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 there's a number of those kinds of things uh, to work on. So what's what's the draw for you of a camera like this? If 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 the top if if the one photo and the second these two photos, yeah, okay, they're nice. Yeah, they're not jumping out and going, oh my god, this is the greatest photo I've seen from you. Right, and and they're very similar in look and feel. Yep. So other than more pixels. I mean, what's what's more, more pixels is 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 a big part of it. Okay. And, um. That 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 would be why I want the why I would want a camera would be to get more pixels just so in my artistic stuff I could make bigger prints. I don't mm-hmm. need bigger okay. prints for editorial stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Like no one's using right. my stuff that big. Um. So yeah, it it would be more pixels. Uh, would be really the big thing, and theoretically a larger dynamic range which I didn't notice. I didn't do any like, you know, tests of black to white strip cards and all that. You know what I mean? I didn't do, I didn't go crazy with, with testing it like DP review. I'm sure will in a few weeks. Right. Um, but overall just having them open in Lightroom and sort of playing with the sliders and stuff, they didn't seem that much more malleable than my Canon files. I didn't Hmm. see a huge bump in dynamic range. Right. Um, so, you know, what am I getting? I'm getting more pixels. I'm getting um, the the lens that I only had one lens on it. It was very sharp. It was nice. It was sort of a normal lens, maybe slightly wide, uh, like a 40 kind of thing. Okay. Um, I have over time, I've gotten used to and I often do crop my stuff to sort of a four by five ratio. Okay. And. Which means that when I'm shooting with a 22 megapixel Canon and I crop to four by five, what I end up with is like a 16 or 17 megapixel image where this thing shoots four by three, which is very similar to four by five because, you know, it's or three by four as opposed to four by five, uh, which is actually very similar. So in that case, cutting down to four by five, I'd still end up with a 46 megapixel image or whatever it is. So in taking the kinds of pictures that I take, I would get a lot more pixels. Um, the detail in stuff is amazing. Uh, once they get the color figured out, maybe the colors will be better because Canon's been known to sort of their reds sort of go to sort of an orangish kind of look. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of this stuff is going to change the kinds of pictures that I can take, right? It's just going to make the files that I end up getting better. 
uh, I was, you know, I was talking with, uh, I was going back and forth with Alan Bailward a little bit because he's the resident Pentax guy. Sure. And, uh, and he's like, you know, what do you think? And I, I said, you know, it does everything I want it to do in the sense that the files I'm getting are really big and beautiful and there's nothing wrong with them, you know? Uh, but it doesn't make me want to leave my wife, you know? And, and he said, wait, Conrad or, or Canon? And I said, either, you know, <laughs> um, if I had the money, would I get one? Oh yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. You know, does it make me want to go out and put 10 grand on my credit card right now? Mm, not yet. Right. Um, it's just, it's not quite worth that much to me. Uh, I'll tell you though, it's amazing. I, when I first got it, I didn't have anybody to take pictures of. So I was just taking pictures of my bookshelf just to see like if uh, texture and color and that kind of stuff. Right. And even pulling up the five D next to the, the six, four, five Z it's, I mean, th- there were differences between them, obviously. And when you zoomed in hundred percent, you could see a lot more texture in some of the paper and that kind of stuff. But the five D holds up pretty well, you know, um, it's not, I mean, it's not, in the, it's not the same thing. There's definitely differences, but it's not like, oh my God, how could you even imagine using that other camera? You know? Right. Um, right. so I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. I'm glad I got to play with one. There's a, there's an event on Thursday that I'm going to that Pentax is having where I think some of the marketing people and stuff. And I think maybe an engineer or two might actually be there. Um, I did talk to one guy and I asked if Pentax has a service center in America because some of the people were complaining that with the old ones, you'd have to send them back to Japan to get fixed. Okay. He says that there is a, uh, a place in Arizona or New Mexico. They have a service center there now. So, which takes that limitation off the table. And that's a fairly new development. Uh, I think so. I don't know. I don't follow this too much, but he said that yes, they do have a service center in America down there. Uh, and the one last thing I want to say is that, you know, there's been a lot of talk. This is one of the first medium format quote unquote cameras that uses a CMOS sensor versus a CCD sensor, which is what the old ones used, you know, um, old medium format stuff used and how the, the look will be different. And the sharpness and the pixels were equivalent between the two. But as far as the overall, uh, there might be something to the difference, you know, Hmm. and CCD have huge disadvantages too, where, you know, they look terrible at anything over ISO 200 and you know what I mean? They, they have their own set of, problems that are no good for me. Like I'd still have to have a camera that could shoot at 800, 1600 when I have to go do stuff. Um, so I'd have to get two cameras if I ever got a CCD one. Uh, but there may be something to the idea that CCD and CMOS have a different look and feel and that CCD might have an advantage in, in image quality when it comes to dynamic range, when it comes to, you know, opening up shadows or less noise here or there, that kind of stuff. Uh, and again, I didn't do any scientific stuff. This is all just sort of anecdotal playing with the files kind of stuff. Um, anyway, just that's, that's my report on the six, four, five Z. It was right. great. I thank the people who let me borrow it. Uh, it was wonderful, uh, to shoot with. It felt great in the hands. Um, the, the controls, the UI were great. The files worked fantastic. Uh, there's just some quirkiness and it's still not, you know, it wasn't shipping right quality right. thing that i played with but anyway that's that's all i have to say you have any questions or you, you nope. done with that done all right done. uh yeah, interesting yeah it is uh, interesting. Hey, hey real quick fuji rumors that they're gonna use the same sensor 
No, 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 no. Uh, apparently, they're that. they're they're thinking about, uh, uh, and who knows whether this is true, but uh, already re-releasing the XT1 with a new viewfinder in it. What was wrong with the old viewfinder? I, I don't know what's wrong with it, uh, but the apparently uh, the viewfinder is going to get a 4K upgrade from the 2.36K that it is now. Well, that could be a a, a big big difference. It could be, but unless they also update the firmware to allow full manual control in video, it's still kind of pointless. And it also has to be fast, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's the thing about the electronic viewfinders. If they're not sort of instantaneous or, you know, yeah. the delay isn't low enough, then it's just so distracting. Now, the, the other thing that, that I'm kind of more, even more excited about than that is the, the possibility of an X100T. And what would the X100T have in it? They're saying uh, a 24 megapixel X-Trans sensor, which would be pretty buttery because uh, the 16 yeah. is gorgeous. Well, what they should um, make is a full frame X-Pro2. Yeah, they're not going to do that. At 24 megapixels. Not going to do it. So they're going to put 24 megapixels into... Into a crop. Into a crop sensor, which is yeah. what Nikon is using, the Sony sensors that are like that. Yeah, and it should. I mean, it would render so much of their lens lineup unusable if they Went now to change yeah, yeah. to no, a, no, no, no. a full frame. Yeah. So apparently the, the X100T, according to the rumors, uh, tilt screen, okay. new lens, uh, better EVF, and, and that 24, if that's true, 24 megapixel X-Trans sensor. Love it. Yeah. No, I, 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 the files that came out of that, the little Fuji were great. Yeah. Uh, especially the JPEG, surprisingly. Yeah, they're beautiful. Uh, hey, uh, have you ever tried to sell prints and gotten scammed <laughs> no what is this all about i read this article but what do you what do you well, uh, this photographer in texas uh what's her name polly chandler polly chandler uh the short version is this according to feature shoot which is also a fantastic site if you haven't been there uh, after much email correspondence a collector in england purchased two of her limited edition prints with a cashier's check Wells Fargo Chandler's bank made the funds available only to determine weeks later, money spent, that the check had been a fake. This left her account not only drained, but also, uh, incredibly, accruing overdraft fees. So she kind of got scammed. They, they, they have her prints. Uh, uh, she, got, she got, you know, kind of reamed for it. So she was having a print sale to uh, to help recoup her losses. All right. So, what do you do? You want to discuss the scam or just the fact that she's trying to recoup her losses? No, no. The, well, the scam. Hmm, I mean, it sounds like both she and you know, I guess Wells Fargo did as much as they could. But who should who should the 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 blame lay on should the blame lay on her or on wells fargo for approving the check well apparently should, so should wells fargo re, sort of refund her i don't know wells fargo says that they they put the stuff out there but then what is it like a month or something before uh the cashier's check actually which is weird shouldn't a cashier's check be by definition the equivalent of money isn't that the whole sure. point of a unless it was check? a fraudulent check to begin with okay well shouldn't they uh, figure that out when they put the numbers into a computer and it tries to go to that other bank you would think yeah uh here she says that the man sent me a canadian cashier's check i deposited it into my checking account went on my way grocery shopping filling my car up with gas going to yoga etc yeah. 
Uh, I waited about a week and a half to two weeks, then shipped the prints. It never occurred to me once I deposited the now known forged cashier's check. Okay, there's there's the rub right there. A forged cashier's check. Uh, that I would be held accountable for his fraud. Yeah, that's that seems kind of strange that 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 the determination of whether it's real or a forgery is incumbent on someone who has arguably zero knowledge of of how to discern whether it's real or well, okay. A number of things here. One, your ne- banks are always going to win. <laughs> sure. Sadly, you know what I mean. They're always going to have some sort of thing in their stipulations that says blah 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 blah. Um. Uh, my other question is why would the guy go all the, so he bought two 16 by 20 prints for $1,100 a piece, right? Right. Why would he like, if he's going to do something really illegal, like pass a fake cashier's check, why would you right. do it to buy $2,000 prints that are, that are nice? Don't get me wrong, but like of some artist who's not, who, who doesn't do this enough that she wouldn't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you're going to risk going to prison. <laughs> yeah. You might as well do a cashier's check and buy a $50,000 Avedon. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? Right, right, right. Uh, that right, just right. seems odd to me. Um, I, you know, look, people get scammed, right? I, they, somebody said, they interviewed her and said, you know, what are you going to do going forward? I will tell you that I have a lot of clients in Europe who buy pictures of mine for, for magazines and stuff. I have... Uh, a, a few uh, prod, uh, money from a few people who have bought prints of mine from overseas. Um, I have tended to use PayPal uh, because at least then, I mean, there's ways to scam PayPal too, as, as the world sure, knows. Sure. Okay. But, but okay. She says here, I was told by Wells Fargo, it's the customer's responsibility to make sure that the bank that issued the check is legitimate. How are you supposed to know that? How how is that incumbent on? Isn't that the actually customer? what I'm paying you bank yeah. for? Yeah, you get to use That's, my money, and in return, you tell me whether a check is good or not. I mean, this, this is this is akin to to uh, flying, checking a bag. They lose your bag and say it's not their fault. Well, yes, it is because you were trusted to take care of it. Yeah. So you bank have the 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 seemingly have the the expertise the the staff and the technology to make these determinations whereas i as joe everyday citizen really kind of don't joe, joe q public yeah so the, her responsibility to make the sure the bank that issued the check is legitimate so i'm going to call the bank and go hey are you legitimate and they're going to go yes and I go, yeah, sweet. What, and I what hang else are up. they going to say? Yeah. No, no, we're not. <laughs> Actually, uh, oh, you got us. You got us. <laughs> Call Scotland Yard. But it is, it, it does, it does show you how difficult it is. I don't know. Like this woman obviously doesn't sell tons and tons of stuff. I mean, she, yeah, she sells stuff. She's an artist. She does whatever. But it just goes to show you how difficult all this kind of stuff is. You know, I was, I, I was working with, a uh, publisher in in France to buy a picture, an author photo, recently, and it. it, it did I tell this story last week? Probably. Um, Go ahead. And you know, we we went on. We've emailed back and forth. Decided on a price. Decided on terms. Great. Super. Send you an invoice. Super. And then 
I get in the mail the other day a five-page contract in French and also an English translation of the contract, in case I don't read French, which at the bottom of it says any inaccuracies in the translation uh, mean uh, the French is the official version. So if there are any inaccuracies, that's not our fault. And it's like, well, then why'd you even send me a translation yeah. if yeah, I can't if this doesn't mean trust anything, the translation? Yeah. What are you doing here? But but it, but it was, and I have to I have to sign it and I have to ship it back to them on paper. And this is for like three hundred dollars, right? And it's like, are you kidding me? You know, it's like, how long do I have to wait for three hundred dollars? And oh, how are you going to transfer that? You're going to send me a cashier's check from you know a Canadian bank? Um, it just it becomes this like back and forth, back and forth. Like nothing is easy when it comes to moving money around, especially internationally. I had to prove to them. They said uh, they wanted me to send them a stamped, signed and stamped piece of document from my bank proving that I'm a U.S. citizen. Hmm. And so they send me... banks do that. Well, that's the thing. They send me this form that I'm supposed to take to my bank, air quotes, to get this done. So I go to my bank. I was like, I don't know. This company's whatever. And the company, the bank, the lady just like looked at it and she's like, I've been doing this for 26 years. I've been bank manager here. She's just like, I've never seen anything like this. And I was like, either have I. And it's it's one of these things where I think people in Euro- European countries and France especially they love stamps, right? It's like <laughs> is, that, is that what it comes down to? Seriously, it's like okay. it's like oh they want they want sta- they think that American companies have like stamps all over the place to officiate stuff, and we just don't, you know. In the it, same it, way that international money transfers use Swift codes, yeah, and this is like a common thing in Europe. In America, we don't use Swift codes. There are Swift codes for our banks. <sighs> But it takes you six months to figure out what the hell the SWIFT code is for whatever your bank is, you know? Yeah, th- this is this is a very strange case that, that I mean, I, 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 I use Wells Fargo. And this makes you it, nervous? It does. Well, isn't this? It does. Like, now I'm supposed to be some, some international, you know, check-forging sleuth able right, to discern right. what's real and what's not? How, how does that make sense anywhere? I, what I don't understand is, like, I bring a check to my bank, right? That's, you send me a check for $10. Right. I go to my bank. I deposit that check. They obviously can put in the routing number and the account number. They go to Wells Fargo and get the $10 or whatever it is, and it clears. Right. Why does that take 10 days? Why does sure. that happen at best at the end of the day when they add up all of the money that's supposed to come from Wells Fargo and each of them do like a single big transfer between them? Yeah, it's very like, strange. It's numbers in a database. And the idea that, that Wells Fargo released the funds – but then are blaming this. <laughs> when, I, I when I used to work at my father's record store, we used to, it used to be like in the late 80s and stuff. There was a phone number you could actually call and sure. type in the account number to make sure the check was going to be good. Yep. They give you, they give you an approval number. Sure. Right. Yeah. 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 How, so they can, they, we could do that in 1988, but in 2014, <laughs> Wells Fargo. Can't, can't tell if some cashier's check is real. What is this? Catch me if you can. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That, yeah, that just seems. My name is Robert Abagnale. <laughs> My name is Robert Abagnale. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. What uh, a great movie that is. Yeah, it is. Uh, Spielberg's okay. the best. So anyway, anyway sorry, so, sorry, Polly, that that happened. If you uh, want to go buy some of her work to make up for it, how much is she charging for them? Uh, I I don't. She remember does do now. nice work. Yeah, it's beautiful work. Yeah. It does that Polaroid 55 that I love mm, so much. She's, she said she only shoots Polaroid 55 and that she took out a credit card and bought a ton of it back when it was discontinued. Which, 
back in 2009, which means that her, all of her film is five years old, which is, you know, as young as it can be, which is not a great thing, you know, it would be all evidence to the contrary. Her stuff's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, it's like this stuff does decay over time. I wonder how new these, these photographs are. Uh, uh, photographs for sale are the first four major or first four images in this post. 10 okay. by 10 inch prints, $50 each. Eight by ten inch prints, hundred dollars each. Wait, why are eight by ten more expensive? Bum, uh, bum, because bum. the ten by tens look look like are they inset more? I mean, oh, is it maybe. is it Could ten be. by ten paper, but a smaller? Yeah. yeah, they're pretty pictures. Yeah, they're beautiful, really we'll beautiful. To, uh, I'll you know we'll put a link to her in the show notes. Yeah, Polly Chandler. Polly Chandler. Where is she? She's in Austin. Austin, yeah. You know, um, look, can I just say one last thing? Go I ahead. Uh, the other day. I was uh, I went to see uh, Todd Reynolds uh, play with my, my new friend Ashley Bathgate, the cellist that I took pictures of a few weeks sure. ago, and a pianist friend of theirs that they've been playing together for years. I went to see them play at this uh, Domena Center for the Arts or something like that. And you go downstairs in the basement, and you go into this room, and it feels like you're in. I'll, I'll find a link and and and. Uh, uh, and so you could see this, uh, this, this, this recital hall that's there. It's, it's amazing. Anyway, I, we're in there. We're, 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 we're doing the, uh, the, I'm listening to this concert and they play this piece by this woman. Uh, and I, her name was Molly something or other. I'll find it. Anyway, they play this piece by this, this composer and it was beautiful and it was wonderful and I went up to her after and I said, you know what? That was beautiful. That was, you know, great. Thanks for, thanks for writing it. And she's like, oh, thank you so much. And then I go look her up when I get home. She was born in 1990. Right. Which means that she was five years old when I went to music school. Yeah, sure. I'm putting, well, I'm putting a link in the show or in the, in Skype for you just to see this room. Uh, well, you put it in the show notes so people I'll can see. Oh, wow, that's too, a yeah. big, that's a big room. Isn't that cool? Yeah. It's like, it's, it's just really kind of trippy yeah. and it was at night. So it felt like you were in some sort of holodeck. Looks like something out of Gattaca. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Gattaca, just that's, you, ooh, put that in the show notes. That's a, if you guys haven't seen Gattaca. Oh, and they, ex- they extend his legs. Yeah. yeah. Harsh. Uh, Ethan Hawke, Jude Law, Uma Thurman. Yeah. You know why it's called Gattaca? Go ahead. Hit me. Uh, cause it's the G A T C is, are the letters of, you know, the DNA sequences. Ah, okay. okay. Uh, you, you, they they filmed that uh, near near my house. That that big concrete building, like the main the main science building. Yeah, that is the administration building at Cal Poly Pomona. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, you, hey, you know what? There was an article the other day that I meant to put in the show notes that I will maybe find for next week. You know, brutalist architecture. No. Um. Okay, I'll I'll leave it for next week then, because uh, it's it's. It sort of it sort of gets into the whole idea of you know new art comes out a new movement happens then it, it leaves do we have a responsibility to hold on to it okay if it, yeah, let's, if it becomes let's, uncool later okay you know? yeah let's talk about it okay uh what do you think about that i i picked somebody for the photographer of the week somebody something very different but i wanted something very different on purpose Wait, how, where are we at? Are we over time? No, we're about at time. Well, you got something else? Well, you, you want to, did you want to talk about a uh, friend of the show, Randy Duchesne? Oh, shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me put that in there. Uh, Randy Duchesne, a uh, friend of the show, photographer, had did this whole series, which I talked about last year called Made in Brooklyn. Yep. Talk well, to him about it. Where he went. Yeah. Where he, oh yeah, yeah. You, is that up somewhere? Can we put a link? Sure. 
um, where he goes to different people who create stuff in Brooklyn. So, you know, people own a chocolate factory or build sets for movies or, you know, have hydroponic uh, uh, greenhouses up on their roofs or whatever it is. New companies, companies that have been tailors, you know, some old guy who's been a tailor for 70 years, the whole like. And he's done this series called uh, Created in Brooklyn. We talked about it last year because they were showing a bunch of them at the Brooklyn Public Library uh, main main room uh, at the Brooklyn Public Library here in Brooklyn. And uh, they're doing a whole nother series of them this summer. And it opens on Wednesday, on t- tomorrow. So... If you live in New York City, go out to the Brooklyn Public Library at uh, Grand Army Plaza and uh, go check out the pictures. And he's nice also, working here. He's also giving uh, some talks. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, on June 18th, June 25th. Oh, yeah. Here it is. July 9th. July. So I'm gonna, I put a link in the show notes. Why don't you go record one of them? Uh, yeah, I think he is actually already doing that. All right. Um, but, uh, you know, and he brings in some of the people uh, – who he shot to discuss the whole thing. That's great. And uh, it's it's been, uh, it's been really, it was really good last year and uh, it's going to be great this year again. So uh, go check it out. Uh, Created in Brooklyn, Randy Duchesne. Is that good? Yep. Good. Uh, All right. Wait, do you want to, do you want to talk about the group or do you want to, do you want to go on to photographer of the week? Uh, Let's, let's talk about the group real quick. Okay. A lot of new members. Good, 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 good. We're closing in on, on uh eleven fifty. Yeah. Which is good. Um the last huh? Architecture, wasn't it? Architecture was the last one. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is great. Uh we're gonna continue on that. Symmetry. Symmetry. I like that one. Symmetry. Okay. Uh because symmetry is kind of fun. Now, uh do it in camera, do it in post. Uh, get 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 the juices flowing. Get the creativity flowing, and let's see what you do with symmetry. Okay. Um, yeah, some some really really nice stuff. Interesting interpretations of architecture. Um, some more traditional. Uh, some are abstract. Uh, some sort of redefining uh, arch- architecture as as not even buildings. You know, using more organic subject matter as architecture, which I think is just absolutely terrific. Yep. Um, really, really, really good stuff. And so keep it going and uh, and symmetry. Have fun with that. Um, what else? Is that it? I think that's. Good. I guess that's it for now. Yeah. Uh, if you've got a suggestion. For for an assignment, uh, podcast at ontakingpictures.com or uh, you know post it in the in the group, uh, which we'll have a link to in the show notes, and uh, we'll we'll see what we can do. So okay, photographer of the week, new stuff. This is really cool. Something different. Yeah, and I so I somebody wrote in last week in our Q and A show and said, "What about architectural photography?" I don't know that that's how they said it. Actually, they said it exactly in that voice. Was it really? Oh, yeah. yeah, They called me up and they left a voice. All right. Okay. Uh, And uh, and so I was looking for – I was flipping around some stuff this week and I came upon this guy's work and I said, you know what? This is an interesting discussion of architectural photography. This is uh, Randy Scott Slavin or Scott Slavin. Randy Scott Slavin. So right. That's the way it's said. You were looking at the URL going, where, do, where does that split? I was, yeah. 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 Uh, Randy yeah. Scott Slavin, he, he's in Brooklyn, apparently, and I, or in New York City. Uh, I was going to send him an email just to tell him we're using him as a photographer of the week. Uh, 
I don't know him. I, I just saw his work. And what he does is he takes, um, he's doing a polar coordinates. Uh, it looks, that's how I would do it. I think that's what he's doing, I, right? I think there's, yeah, that's part of it. There's definitely m- more going on in some of them because some of these photographs, the, the polar coordinates don't extend across the entire surface of the image. They're yeah. only parts of it. So, so they're, they're, it's, whatever he's doing is very well done. Yes. Um, and he's, he's basically shooting landscapes and architectural photos and then in post or in maybe, maybe he's using one of those weird 3d lens things. I don't know. Anyway, or, you know, 360 degree lens things. I don't know. Sure. Um, he is turning them into these very sweepy images that are hard to explain. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. How would you put it? Well, if you, if you've ever seen any of the Photoshop Kind of, there, there are there's tutorials one, for cr- creating mini planets. Yeah, there's one called, there's an app called Tiny Planet for the right, iPhone. Right. Similar thing, but uh, it, it, there, there's, there's content or there, there, there's, there's image data both inside and outside the ring. And it's not always in the center. And, and it, the more I look at this stuff, the more I really like it. Yeah, me too. There's a few. So he shot, he shot a few pictures of, uh, there's a great one of, uh, the Empire State Building with all of he must have shot it from the middle or top of a building next to the Empire State Building because he gets he's kind of looking down on the rest of the skyline and it ends up having like the skyline sweeping around the Empire State Building in a really successful way, in my opinion. Yeah, um, no, this, it's, this is really interesting. So, and to to the degree that you can abstract these things he has he's gone from zero to a hundred on these they're not they're not all the same and that's one of the things i i really like about the work is is it's not like okay i'm gonna do this effect in the center of the photo and they're all gonna be square and they're all gonna have blah 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 they're he's he's mixing it up and i'd love to know how he does it yeah we're gonna we'll get a hold of him there's there's some great ones where he ended up shooting what looked like just trees with ground underneath but then when he does it in the polar effect, it ends up having sort of a ball of dirt in the middle with trees coming out in all directions. Um, it's a really great effect. Yeah, See, it is. This is, this is the kinds of stuff that you can do in digital photography that this is some people could claim this is sort of like a little bit of a one trick thing, right? Like obviously he's doing a similar thing on most of these photos mm-hmm. and yes, you could get tiny planet or play with polar effects coordinates and, and mess with your own images. Um, I think this guy does it very successfully. Yes. And I think that he's doing it in a way that is, is very, um, if not completely original, very successful. Uh, cause some of these are just gorgeous. There's the one Jeffrey, if you go into the first set of, uh, alternate perspectives, okay. alternate one, perspectives, number one, and then sure. you get, you get the full grid. Yep. Uh, this is actually reset. Okay. So it's the, um, one line up all the way on the right. And it looks like trees coming out of a, of, of a like planet sitting in sky. It's just beautiful. It's called Alice two. It's number 24. If that helps at all. Okay. Wait, I'm number 15. Yeah. Number 24, 24. Oh yeah. Yeah. Look yeah. at that. Yeah. Like that's, that's just gorgeous. You know, in fact, I almost feel like we should give, can we give a second, um, uh, uh, assignment to people of what people to go download tiny planet and try making some of these too. I want to see what other people would do with this kind of, this thing. Uh, well it, it, uh, sure. I don't know. It, it assumes that you've got an iPhone. Yeah. 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 If you have an iPhone, go down. If you're, if tiny you're so planet inclined. Yeah. yeah. It's 99 cents for tiny planet. 
It's a good. It's a fun little app to do this kind of stuff. But I think this guy does it really, really well. Yeah, he does. Now, uh, prints are also available. Um, let's see. See, wow, I would really buy one reasonable of these. too. Twenty-four by twenty-four print, two thirty-five. Twenty-four thirty-six, two sixty-five. That's a good price. Yeah, I would consider buying one of these. I love. I there's something about a couple of these that I just think are are beautiful. Oh, that what that number twenty-four one just kills me. Twelve by eighteen prints, forty-five bucks. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think I might have to buy one of these. They're, Randy uh, Scott Slavin. It's something something different. It's interesting. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I, you know, like we, we talk about a lot of people um, and there's a lot of great photographers out there. I like seeing people who are actually doing something really actually different. You know, I look at this and I don't think, oh, that looks just like whatever it is. I mean, I know the effect he's using, but he's doing it really well. You know, uh, you, you give me a link to one here. Yeah. Yeah. Is, was this your favorite? I don't know if it's my favorite, but I really like it. All right. Oh, wait, which one is it? Because it, that link doesn't work because it's Flash. Number one. Oh, uh, hold on. If you go to the, the thumbnails, you can see the... Okay, it's alternate perspectives number four. Number four. Oh, you like the, the, oh, the one on the, the street or the next to the boardwalk? No, no, no. In the, it's uh, alternate perspectives number one. Okay, num- uh, image number four. Image number four. Okay, hold on. Where it's like the, it looks like it's on a golf course and you've got that ring oh, yeah, coming yeah, up yeah, out yeah, of it. Yeah, 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 that's cool. That's super cool. Yeah, so it was just he did it on the water, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, well done. Well so done. anyway, uh, go check these out. Uh, RandyScottSlavin.com. We'll put a link in the show notes and uh, let us know what you think. I think yeah, I'll be honest. When I first looked at him, I was like, eh. Yeah, you were okay. nonplussed. I was like, eh, yeah, whatever. But then you, you start looking at it and you get into it and you go, wow, this is different. This yeah. is not, you know, this is good. Yeah. Something different. Yeah. Uh, and we can say that we does something that's kind of architectural. Yes. Um, what else you got? I think that's it. That's it. All right. Are we done? Yeah. We're, 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 we're like a buck. We're on target. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, podcast at on taking pictures.com. Yep. Uh, was that just your, your, uh, your, your thing? That your was my thing. Opening up. Soda wait, stream. Wait, there you go. Uh, did you ever build uh, a, a bigger one? Uh, I did not. I just use it as is. It's fine. I buy a new tank every two, three weeks. Cost me 14 bucks. Yeah. But I drink a lot. Right. So still yeah. cheaper than buying anything else. That is true. Uh, uh, phone okay, number so, is uh, 347-687-9411. Yeah, if you want to leave us a voicemail, we love getting voicemails. Yep. Uh, anything else? I, I tweeted Bill Wadman. You, you tweeted Jeffrey Sidoris. Yeah. There's a Faded and Blurred Twitter account too, isn't there? Yep. You can follow Faded and Blurred. Yes. Yep. Uh, you can check out the, actually the, 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 the Flipboard magazine. Oh, is, yep, yep. That's a great way to see not only the stuff that's up on Faded and Blurred, but just stuff that I end up coming across or finding interesting and I, I flip it in there. So it's, it's good. It's a good thing. Okay. Um, one, can I do one last thing? Sure. We got an email today, this morning. Um, that uh, I, I'm not going to embarrass you by, by reading it uh, because you didn't give us permission to, but uh, I, I will say that, that in two years, this, this might be the most moving email that we've ever gotten. Yeah. So uh, uh, thank you, James, for sending that in. Uh, means a lot. Um, yeah. We have a lot of listeners who really care about the show. 
This one wrecked me. Yeah. I, I honestly, I, I was teared up by the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, James. Um, All right. Enough about that. Yep. Anything else? Uh, no. Uh, man, I see. This is a perfect. I wish you had your keyboard hooked up so you could play us out with a little do, Mandy. Do, oh, <laughs> You know, it's actually Barry Manilow's birthday. It's Barry Manilow's birthday. So <laughs> happy birthday. Happy birthday, Barry. Uh, my, my buddy uh, does some work for him. Have a have a Barry happy day. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, classic. Oh. Wow, what are the odds of that? That's insane. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I looked at I like I opened it up on Wikipedia and I just it's looked, a I just glanced and I, I Yeah, nice. A, a true blue spectacle. <laughs> A miracle come true. true. Um, <laughs> I actually looked at it, and then I looked up at the date, and then I looked down at the date, and then I looked up at the date, and I was like, there's no way that this is true. Uh, all right. Uh, see you next week. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. What? I, I was. Ah, uh, see? I was going to go into the last time I waved goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> so many good songs. How, how, many, how many women in the 1970s were thinking Barry was singing to them? Oh my God. Yeah. How, yeah, yeah. How many now? Yeah. Sorry, ladies. Barry's not singing to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gives a whole new twist to weekend in New England. Yeah. Yeah. Not many people know it was actually Randy. Yeah. Not Mandy. <laughs> exactly. no, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, you know what? One of my favorite singer songwriters and, and funnily, funny, funnily, funny, funny enough. Um, most famous for songs he didn't write. Uh, in some cases, yeah. 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 I Write the Songs was not written by him, ironically. Yeah. Who was that? You probably know that. Who is that? Oh, I do. Come on. Don't look it up. Don't. I don't know. Don't. This. Wikipedia. Um, hold don't. on. Hold on. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Uh, oh, sh- uh, Bruce Johnston, I think, wrote it. Did he? Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Oh. You looked that. You looked it up, right? No, no, I know that one. You looked it up. He didn't write that many other songs. He's not like a huge, huge. I mean, he had he had some hits. Wow. Okay, the original version recorded by the Captain and Tennille. Gotta love the Captain and Tennille, right? Daryl Dragon on the keyboard. Uh, yeah, the Captain uh, didn't age so well. <laughs> there was a great Tony Tennille record in the eighties, late eighties, where she sang. Uh, like uh, standards, jazz standards, like oh, with really? an orchestra. Huh? Yeah. The, so, uh, yeah, it was a Tony Tennille record. Of of yeah, I wonder where I wonder if you can find that at all. I'm sure it's around uh, somewhere. She she used to do some acting occasionally. I remember guest spots on like the Love Boat with the her. Love Boat, <laughs> Jack Jones. What the hell is the Love Boat about? You know, no. What was the fa- <laughs> what is Fantasy Island about? <laughs> That was the original Lost, right? Yeah. That song was messed up. <laughs> Is that not true? The album? What? Uh, no, the, uh, the Fantasy Island. Oh, that, oh that, was uh, a, that was a messed up. That was a weird place. Really weird. Yeah, there's all kinds of like, you know, fan fiction theories about wh- who Rourke w- really was and all that. Yeah, it can, it, can go, it can go in some weird, shady places. Yeah, you but know, that was, some people that was say Friday like, night, man. Some people argue it's purgatory, right? That yeah, that was Friday night on ABC. It was uh, 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 nine o'clock was was Love Boat, and ten o'clock was Fantasy Island. All right, I think we should let people go because we're off the rails now. <laughs> All right, <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see, see you next later. week. <laughs>